Hello and welcome back into the Third and Lawn Football Podcast here on RowanRadio.com, Channel 2. Aaron Hook here once again, riding solo, Sam Prince, uh, absent for the second consecutive week. Um, and so I am joined by two members of our sports department here at Rowan Radio. I've got Aiden Ray directly to my right. And I have first-time guest here on Third and Lawn, Greg Mazzo, correct? Yep. Greg, welcome in, a fellow Giants fan of Aiden. And so we have an all-New York um, panel today. We, we've got all-New York in the house. You know, Sam Prince, also a Giants fan, would have been nice to have him here. But instead, it's the three of us, and we are going to dive into some of the biggest stories from this past week. And I think we got to start, guys, with... Um, those Philadelphia Eagles, because they did lose once again in quite the embarrassing fashion. 33-13 to in Jerry World, down in Arlington, and they have not won in that stadium, in AT&T Stadium, since 2017. And the Eagles have now dropped back-to-back games by 20-plus points. I want to get your guys' thoughts as Giants fans who we will get to. They're on a winning streak. The Eagles on a losing streak. Uh, how's it feel right now, guys? You haven't been able to feel like this in a long, long time. Um. So yeah. So um, honestly, the winning streak feels feels good as well. So it's just um. Oh my god, this is. Last night was like I felt great last night. Um, but also like speaking on um the Eagles Cowboys game that was like, that game of course. Sunday Night Football. Before Sunday Night Football, no one in the NFC East even played until that point because the Commanders were on the bye, the Giants played on Monday Night Football, and the Eagles and Cowboys played on Sunday Night Football. So, NFC East fans had to wait, like, a while for their team to play during Week 14. So, honestly, so, yeah. Um, but as a Giants fan, feels good about, like, the winning streak, but then, of course, the Cowboys and Eagles game is just... For the Eagles, def- it's definitely a um, rough situation for them to dropping back-to-back games to the Niners and the Cowboys. But then the Cowboys as well, they're, their offense is just very dominant. They've scored 33 against the Eagles. They scored 41 against Seattle, 45 against Washington. They scored 49 against my Giants. But Dak Prescott's been playing phenomenal. Um these last couple of months and shown that he can be that like MVP candidate. And of course the dude, he does get a lot of hate just because he wears that star in his helmet, but 271 yards and two touchdowns. And then of course being able to use Jake Ferguson and CD lamb. So being able to use their guys in the offense pretty well. And, but then the Eagles as well, like they're just like not doing, they just weren't able to do their thing on Sunday night. But in my opinion, they do have like an easier schedule than the Cowboys, but the Cowboys they've found ways to like win games pretty easily. So it's been crazy um weekend um to end off week fourteen. Yeah, I'll just say uh, first thing with the Giants, it was an awesome win for them. Just an awesome win last night against the Green Bay Packers, a team coming into that game won three in a row. You beat the Detroit Lions, who are leading um, their division right now. Then you also beat the um, the the Packers. Also beat the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday Night Football. So those were two great wins. So it's not like the Giants 
beat a team that was bad. They beat a good football team that has a legit shot of going to the playoffs. And now, like, as a Giants fan, you were kind of in the middle in that game. Do you root for the Giants to get a better draft pick? Or do you root against, not say root against the Giants, but it's not the biggest deal in the world if they lose that game because then it'll help their draft pick. So, I mean... Overall, as a Giants fan, I think right now you got to say, hey, try to make the playoffs, right? I mean, you're five and eight. You're one game out of the playoffs. As for Dallas, I think right now they are the second best team in the NFC. I think they're right behind San Francisco. They are so complete as a roster. They almost lost that game to Seattle. They trailed. Dak Prescott has been getting a lot of criticism for years because he wears that star on his helmet, like you said, Aiden. But this year, he's playing like an MVP candidate. He came from behind against that um, against Seattle, won that game. And then against the Philadelphia Eagles, he was torching up that defense. He's been great against them. Even in the first meeting where they lost, he looked great. Um, CeeDee Lamb has been unbelievable this year, a top three receiver, and we know how great that defense is for Dallas. For the Eagles... There's a lot of concerns about this team, and it's mainly their defense. Their defense has been awful. They have one of the worst pass defenses in the league. And I think the big drop-off from the Eagles from this year to last year, I think we can all agree here that the Eagles clearly are not the same team that they were last year because last year they dominated games. This year they're not. They lost both of their coordinators. Sean, uh, Shane Steichen went to Indianapolis. You see what he's doing over there. He was a big part of why Jalen Hurts was an MVP candidate last year. Jalen Hurts this year has been turning the ball over a lot. Yes, he's been putting up numbers, but he's also turning the ball over. And you look at the defense for the Eagles. They had Jonathan Gannon last year. Jonathan Gannon, he was part of that Super Bowl run with the Eagles. The defense was elite. This year, they're not. Well, they, ran, they ran Gannon out of the building, remember? Uh, they after did. The, after the Super Bowl and how the defense performed in the playoffs, they were saying, well, he's the issue. Get someone new in here, and the defense, you know, can play up to their standard. It's actually been worse. It's been way worse. It's been way worse. Bradbury and Sly have regressed. I know they also traded for Kevin Byard at the deadline, which I like the move, but still, it's not like he's making a huge impact. And everyone's talking about this defensive line with the Eagles. Yes, I know they had that one big play in the Dallas game where they had the where they uh, they fumbled, they strip sack, fumbled Dak Prescott. They were able to take it the other way for a touchdown um, to make it a closer game. It was 24-13. Um, but, like, I don't know. The defensive line really hasn't impacted the game as much as what we have liked to see them impact the game. And the Eagles in the next four games, I'll say this. They should still win this division because if they went out, they win the division over Dallas. They have Seattle coming up. They got two games with the Giants, and they got the game with Arizona. So if you're the Eagles, you should be able to win these next four games. And if you don't, then you're going to go on the road in the playoffs, and you're hoping that maybe you can get a loss from San Francisco, maybe. And the only game I see them losing is the game against Baltimore because Baltimore is like the only team that's probably capable of, of, of sticking with them. Because right now, if I had to rank the NFC, it's San Francisco, Dallas, Philadelphia, and Detroit. Those are the four best teams in the NFC. I would put Detroit last out of those four. As a matter of fact, the way that the Eagles are playing right now, I'd have Detroit and Philadelphia neck and neck. I'm not even kidding. Also, those are like the only like four NFC teams that have like deeply like competitive records out of their conferences. You see, Cowboys and Eagles are ten and three. Forty Niners are ten and three. Lions are nine and four. 
So only be, team outside one, of those four with a winning record in the NFC right now is Minnesota. That's it. One, two, yeah, one, two, three, four. The Vikings would be like the six is at the six seed, seven and six. But then like the four, the four seed would be the an NFC South team, which would be right now the Buccaneers, and they'd be sitting at six and seven. So like the NFC is just like I don't even know what is up with the like the NFC is just not deeply like competitive, but like it's. Of course, like very close for like the six and seven seed right now because like as as we saw the like for example the Giants sit at five and eight then like other teams like the Chicago Bears the three teams in the NFC South they're all like it's all close but I do agree because like the 49ers, they destroyed the Cowboys earlier this season so they're number one over Dallas in the NFC but the Cowboys have been playing phenomenal these last couple months and of course their only loss after San Francisco was against the Eagles which was by five points which they could have they, they definitely potentially could have won that as well so they've been they've just been the better football team the last couple of months and Red, you, you mentioned the defense being a problem for the Eagles well you know offensively the first halves for them have been an issue it was the sixth straight week that the Eagles trailed at halftime, and Derek Dunn, who's a very respected, very trusted source in Philadelphia, was talking with multiple players, apparently, about the offense, and the response was, we are very predictable. Looked at our pass routes compared to the Cowboys. Our routes take too long to develop. Dallas gets their SHIT out quick. So there's there's problems on both sides of the ball, and you can point to you know the personnel changes with the coordinators and whatnot. Um, but there are definitely some problems with the Eagles right now. And so I agree with you. You know, I think with the way that they have shown up the last two weeks against San Francisco and Dallas, who were their biggest competition in the NFC and still are, um, right now, yeah, I think it's pretty safe to say that Dallas and San Francisco are better than them. Uh, but does it make the Eagles fraudulent? Um... I mean, we'll see what they do come playoff time because they're still going to make the playoffs. Like, as bad as they're playing right now, they should still win these next four games. If they go 3-1, and one, they maybe lose one of these games. They'll have to go on the road, possibly, and play against the, the NFC South weather, which I do think they're going to win that game. But, like, the thing with the Eagles' offense, like, I was talking about their defense. I think the main issue with their offense right now is Brian Johnson. And we say this a lot every week with the Eagles where – they haven't played their best game of football. They haven't played their best game of football. And it's almost like, okay, that's scary because eventually they're going to get there. Well, when are they going to get there? We're already in what? Week 15? And they still haven't played their best. Maybe this is who the Eagles are. I don't think the Eagles are going to be better than what they are. This is probably who they are as a football team. They're not going to dominate games like they did last year. So I think people need to stop getting over the fact of what the Eagles were last year, that they were dominating games and why they went to the Super Bowl. And this year, they're just not the same team. And with Brian Johnson, here's why the Eagles are starting games off slow. They are not running the ball to start the game. Mm -hmm. And I, this has been a huge uh, worry with the Eagles because you see the, the whole fan base, they're going outside, they're putting up signs, run the ball, and then you had the whole uh, thing with Nick Sirianni where he was saying uh, he's going to go get him a, a cup of coffee or something, whatever. But that's been a problem. The Eagles, you have the best offensive line in football. Run the ball 20 to 25 times with DeAndre Swift. It doesn't matter what running back you have back there. Gainwell, Swift, Penny... 
you have to run the ball because you have the best offensive line in the league. You take that pressure off of Jalen Hurts, and that's why I think Hurts has turned the ball over more this year than he has last year is because they're running the ball less. Brian Johnson's put more pressure on Jalen Hurts to just drop back and go try to make a play, throw it up to A.J. Brown, throw it to uh, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, whatever. Try to make something happen. And I think if you take that pressure off of Jalen Hurts, I think that's where the Eagles' offense can be a little bit more dominant. Uh You know, I agree. They definitely do not run the ball enough early on. And when they are making these mistakes, you know, the Eagles turn the ball over, what, four? I think it was three times. Three times. And... At that point, playing from behind like you are, you can't really have a run game when you're down th- two, three scores. Um, so I agree. I think they have to rely on the run game earlier on. I mean, DeAndre Swift, you know, is a guy who, with this offensive line, I think can flourish. We've seen him do it already this season. But, you know, there are other offense compounded into the Eagles' offense. I mean, they're towards the bottom of the league in um, pre-snap motion and all that stuff. There's really not a lot of creativity. And Brian Johnson is the main plate caller. However, Nick Sirianni really has his hands on the offense. So I think there's some mutual blame there. I think you, I think Brian Johnson definitely deserves some of the blame for the plate calling. And again, putting a lot of stress on Jalen Hurts early on. And the Eagles, as a result, um, not being able to execute paired with that have led to them being down in the game. And then you really have no choice but to throw the ball. And so the Eagles, yeah, they're going to have to turn this thing around. But for Dallas, um, how, like how far can they ascend to? Are they a true Super Bowl team? I have to say they are a true Super Bowl contender. But I don't think they're going to get to the Super Bowl because the San Francisco 49ers are standing in their way, and right now they have the Dallas Cowboys number. They do. And we know how great Dak Prescott has played this year, but what has been the one thing in the playoffs. about Dak Prescott in yep. the playoffs? He has not been able to perform in big-time playoff games, especially against the 49ers because you go back to that playoff game in 2021, uh, Dak Prescott did not play good in. Um, even remember the, the, the last play of the game where he forgot to give the ball to the refs and 14, they weren't able to get 14 seconds. Yeah. He didn't get, he, he didn't give the ball to the ref would have at least gotten one more playoff. No guarantee that they score, but still at least you got a chance. See their, what happens. Their fans still finding a way to blame the refs at, as well. <laughs> like, come on. Yeah. Well, we, we, I oh, think we all okay. know that. And, and, then, it, and then the other game, which where um, Ezekiel Elliott was playing center on the last play, they were down 19 to 12. <laughs> like, and yeah, that's like the same thing. Like, same thing with me. Like, I feel like, you know, um, they'll have that narrative that like Cowboys being like a Super Bowl contender. But again, they got to show that they can be. They got to show it themselves because the last since nineteen ninety six, they have not been to, not even been to the super, just the Super Bowl, at the NFC Championship. They've not been to the NFC Championship since nineteen ninety six. So they like need. They would need to um just like. Show what they do in the regular season consistently in the play, in the in the playoffs if they want to be like that Super Bowl team. Mm-hmm. And of course, the it's obviously like, and if I would wonder like what would happen if they would lose in the playoffs, like who would it be to blame? If because of course Dak Prescott's giving it his all, he's doing everything he can for this team. And then of course same thing with Ceedee Lamb because they're they're both phenomenal um players. And of course Cowboys. 
have a phenom- have a great offense, but they just need to like keep it going. And then, of course, another thing I got to mention on that Cowboys offense, Brandon Aubrey, that kicker, the kicker, the rookie has not missed it. He twenty three fantasy points. Is that how many he had last night? Well, he, he hit one from sixty, which I just said he was. Is that four five fantasy points. I don't even know. I just. I just know um, in one of my leagues that I was in, um, no, not the one I was playing Aaron in, but um, <laughs> another league, um, I had I picked up Braden Aubrey for the Seahawks game, and been a great pick, he's been a great pickup. He has four field goals the last two weeks. Um, yeah, Dallas is rolling right now, five in a row to get to ten and three. They beat the Eagles, who slipped to ten and three, and so it'll be very very interesting with these three teams at the top and their remaining schedules. Eagles, I think. We can agree. Probably have the easiest, although San Francisco, we talked about it. Arizona, then you have the Ravens, but then Washington and the Rams to finish it off. So, I don't know. I think the Eagles maybe do have a bit of a lighter schedule the rest of the way because the Rams are a team that, you know, you can't really take lightly, especially offensively. Rams, Rams, you can't take lightly. It's a division game, so if you can say maybe that'll be a little bit of a tough game for San Francisco, but that game will be in San Fran, so I do think they'll take care of business, especially if they know that that they're playing for the one seed in that game. They're gonna they're gonna have all their guys playing that game. That's true. Also, the same thing I could say is like the 49ers have had the Rams number like for a while because like since twenty nineteen, since after the twenty eighteen season. In the regular season, the Niners have not lost to the Rams. The only time the Rams beat the Niners was in that NFC Championship game back in 2021. Right. So the Niners have had their number. So that's definitely, like, obviously winnable for San Francisco. So talk to me about these remaining schedules. The Eagles, they play the New York Football Giants twice. And the New York Football Giants, fellas, have won three games in a row. They have won three games they in a row. They are one game out of a playoff spot. Here we are on December 12th. Talking about the Giants having a realistic shot to actually sneak into the playoffs with four games left to go. And they'll be in New Orleans this week. One o'clock tick. Um, taking on the kind of laboring Saints who also come in at 6-7. Uh, or they're a game above the Giants and six and seven, so big game here on Sunday. All of a sudden, Giants and Saints. Um, what did you guys see in the game last night? Obviously, the legend of Tommy Cutlets <laughs> continues to grow. He's dying. He's becoming a megastar, dude. I mean, his again, like me and Greg were saying it. I, I I just cannot, I cannot accept that his agent, quote unquote, if that's really him legitimately looks and dresses like that. It's just too it's too it's too good. It's too good of a story. Um the Giants have rallied around this kid. They really have. Yeah, and first I want to talk about because I know a lot of the attention has been on Tommy DeVito and the way that he's been playing, the way that the players are surrounding him. They enjoy playing for him and there's a lot of controversy with uh Tommy DeVito and and Daniel Jones. Who would you rather start? Blah 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 all that. I want to start with this defense because I think this is a very underrated defense with a lot of young players that are only getting better week in and week out. You talk about 
Deontay Banks, who's getting better. Dexter Lawrence is emerging as the best defensive tackle in the league. That defensive line, Kayvon Thibodeau, has been awesome this year. The linebacking court, Mike McFadden's been really good. Um, you know, the, the McKinney, this is a good defense. And, like, early on in the season, beginning of the year, they were not too good. But now they've started to find an identity with Wing Martindale as a defensive coordinator. And as a Giants fan, I hope he stays because he's doing a really, really good job. And then the offense, you know... Everybody wants to talk about Daniel Jones. Well, guess what? It's not like Daniel Jones has no one around him. Well, he's got Saquon Barkley, and you can talk about the receiving core all you want, but Tommy DeVito has literally the same weapons that Daniel Jones had, and he's winning games with the team that he has, and Daniel Jones wasn't early on in this year until he got hurt. Yeah, and then, of course, another another stuff I want to mention on the defense is, of course, Jason Pinnock with an interception. He's only 24 years old. He's... Been um doing a playing a role, and then of course last night before the Packers scored that touchdown, he they almost scored like before that, but Jason Pinnock knocked that knocked it away from the receiver. So he that was great heads up from Jason Pinnock, and then of course the same thing um as you mentioned Deontay Banks, and then of course Bobby Okereke who's been great. So literally, I agree, one of the most underrated defenses in the league, and they're they're keeping it in this game and. In games possible. And then another thing I'll keep mentioning. I'll not keep mentioning. Another thing I'll mention. Wandale Robinson. 115 total yards. Had a phenomenal catch in the second quarter. That he kept his feet in. He played a great game last night. Mm-hmm. Against this Green Bay Packer team. Tommy DeVito also had 229 total yards. 158 passing yards. And then 71 rushing yards. 71 rushing yards. Which he's able to be mobile. And pass the ball well. Saquon with two touchdowns. And Another thing, I know many, not many people will talk about this. We did not allow a sack. Tommy DeVito did not get sacked last night. The O-line did not allow a single sack last night. I got to give them heavy props. That, you love to see that. And we, that's something that I was, I've not been able to say for a while. Because the Giants O-line have, has not been good. But, zero sacks last night, under the lights... At MetLife Stadium. Good job. Two throws last night that Tommy DeVito made that were probably his best throws from the night. The one to Wandell Robinson to set up that field goal for uh, Randy Bullock to kick the game winner. And then the one to the back corner of the end zone to Isaiah Hodgins. Those were the two best throws I thought he made all night long. And here's the thing that I think... um, that has really impressed not only me, but a lot of fans out there with Tommy DeVito. It's the way that he carries himself. It is his swagger. Everybody knows about that whole gabagoo thing. Gabagool. Yeah, everybody knows. Sopranos. Everybody knows about it. And the players have surrounded him. When you have players that surround your quarterback, the way that the Giants players are with Tommy DeVito, that is saying something. Because you want the players to respect you in that locker room. And that is what Tommy DeVito has done. And that's what you want. You you want these players to have support for you and be there, be have your back. Like, that's what you want. You got to build chemistry from this team, obviously. And, of course, the Giants, they weren't able to do, like, much from it coming from last, last year. They were able to do it. But then, like, the beginning of this year, they just weren't able to do it. So having Tommy DeVito there, a home hometown North Jersey Don Bosco prep, like, he lives with his mother. Like, he's he loves... 
It's well, awesome he, to see. He loves those cutlets, doesn't he? Those cutlets. The cutlets are. I'm sure they're and incredible. I think we. I think we also got to give some credit to Brian Dable as well. Absolutely. This is the coach of the year from last year. We we all know how great he was his first year with the Giants, and. The Giants, I would say the Raiders game. You probably remember the Raiders game where they got blown out. That was awful. That was bad. It was almost like that game where the Giants pretty much just gave up. Like, they were they were done. It didn't look like the Giants were going to win another game the rest of the year. The Giants were coming off an embarrassing loss against the Jets in which they should have won in. And then they've had a couple other close games that they could have won. We all know about the Buffalo game. But since that game, the Giants have rallied. And they have find ways to win games, and they continue to play hard for Brian Dable week in and week out, and that is saying something because Brian Dable, say what you want about him this year, he is still a really, really good coach. Yeah, I agree, and of course, like another stat I'm going to say, this is the first Green Bay Packer loss in December under Matt LaFleur. So Matt LaFleur is now 16-1 and in December as Packers head coach. Is that so, true? Yeah, because yeah, wow. after last week, he was 16-0, and I saw a stat. It was fifteen and zero before they beat the Chiefs. So they entered sixteen and zero in December under Lafleur. So now they're sixteen and one. So that's his first loss as Packer head coach in the month of December. So the Giants, they just, I just love um, that they're able to just fight back, show that they had heart in this end of this game. That's just, like you got to keep again, keep the momentum going. You you're one game back from a wild card spot, and like you said, we. Like if we closed out the Jets game, if we closed out Buffalo, I'm not gonna. I know I sometimes say the refs, but also bad play calling was in that game. We should be seven and six. I agree. But of course, we are not. Can't look back. We cannot look back. We all we got to do is move forward. Next week is the Saints, and then of course two rough games against the Philadelphia Eagles, especially Christmas Day at the Link. That is gonna be a rough game, but. I've, but hopefully, Tommy DeVito can just keep this momentum going. He he did a great job last night. The whole Giants team, they should be proud of last night. And on to New Orleans for them. That's right. So, Dred, you said earlier that you think the Eagles should either go 3-1 and one or win out. And as a Giants fan, you have them twice. Mm-hmm. Are, where are you guys at with... With playing the Eagles twice over your well, over your last four games, I'll say this: we've seen crazy things happen before in the NFL, right? I think there's a possibility with the way that the Eagles have been playing, and if the Giants continue to play the way that they have been the last few weeks, there's a chance that the Giants could beat the Eagles. And I'm not even kidding when I say that. I know the Eagles. There's a there's a huge talent gap between the Giants and the Eagles. I understand that, but we all know how tough divisional games are. And when divisional games come into play, they are always competitive. Most of the time, they're competitive. And we see this around the league all the time. So, if the Eagles continue to play the way that they have been the last couple weeks, and we'll see how they look against Seattle next week, and even the Giants game as well, I mean, I, I think there's a possibility, right? I, I mean, I like, I know there's a huge talent gap, but... This is the NFL. We've seen crazy things happen before. Yeah, as you know, as you know, of course, like there's a. I saw on Twitter last night there was like um something. It was like there's a lot of ones that there was like of course as I just mentioned with the Matt Lafleur thing and the Green Bay Packers. We're the only NFC team to beat Lamar Jackson. He's 19 and one against NFC teams. He lost to us. 
And then, of course, as I'm always going to, as I love mentioning, 18 and 1, New England Patriots against the Giants. So when we're the underdogs, oh my God, we just, we got, we got to show the fight. But real stuff, though, um, as of right now, I still do not think that we will beat the Eagles on Christmas because, you know, we have not won at the link since 2013. But again, I really do not want to, like, overlook next week's game against New Orleans Saints because, of course, the Superdome is low-key a, r- a rough place to play. But even though the Saints have not played that good these last few weeks, but still, yeah. And I'll say this about the Giants. They always play well in the Superdome. You remember 2021? Yep, the Giants, we won in overtime. Giants won that game in overtime. They came from behind, found a way to win that game. Daniel Jones actually played really good in that game. And then... You probably remember 2015 as well, that high-scoring game. 52-49, we lost that game. Like, was, Drew Brees had like seven t- passing touchdowns. Eli, like six. I yep. don't even remember. That, that, was, that was an awesome I game. Do, I remember that game. That, oh, that, was, a, that, was, a, that was incredible. Um, oh, my God. 2015, we had so many close games that year. Yeah. That well, we just lost. Well, the defense was bad that year. Uh Sometimes I always think that we could have been like 14-2 and two or 13-3 and three that year, but no, we were 6-10. and 10. Okay, they almost but knocked off the Panthers, too. That went th- to the we Super We almost Bowl. knocked off the Patriots, too, but lost by one point that yes. year. All right, boys. But yeah, let's, yeah, we got other... We this got is other 2023. The New York Giants <laughs> are back, baby. I think they are. <laughs> Maybe not, but... Hopefully, hopefully but from, we will move forward. From a Green Bay perspective, before we move on, you know, this is a, a tough loss for them. Um, you know, it's it's a back and forth game, but one you certainly think that you can win. Um, and they had been the hottest team, obviously, in football, like Aiden said, hadn't lost in the month of December, obviously, in the first game before that. And um, what are they, what, like four of their last five or five of their last six coming in, the Packers? And so a loss for them now kind of bumps them out of the playoff picture, or they're actually right now the seventh seed uh, in the NFC, but. Um, you know, for them, this now kind of puts them in a similar spot with L.A. and Seattle and the Giants are right there and the Saints at 6-7, and seven, who they play this week. And, um, you know, they're now a, a game behind Minnesota for second in the NFC North. What do we think about the Packers' playoff chances? Um, because they've really turned their season around with, with Jordan Love. They have, and they won three in a row before the Giants game. They beat Kansas City, they beat Detroit, and they also beat the Rams. So they have played better football, but last night's loss against the Giants was bad for them. You you cannot lose that game, especially when you come off a couple wins against Detroit and Kansas City. That was a letdown game for them last night, I thought. And I, I was actually the one giving a lot of credit to the Jordan Love and Matt LaFleur last week when they beat Kansas City because I think Jordan Love, for his first full season as a starter, has played really, really well. And remember, and I've been giving Matt LaFleur a lot of credit this year, this Packers roster is the youngest in the NFL, and they have they are in a they're in a playoff hunt right now. Mm-hmm. So and and with the way that they started this year, it looked like the Packers were going to have a top five pick, but right now they're in the runnings of trying to make the playoffs. But last night's loss was bad. They had to win that game. And if they miss the playoffs by like a game, everyone's going to go back to that game against the Giants where they lost and say, ah, you lost to the Giants. That's a game you should have won. Especially when you look at the resume of the Packers this year, like the teams that they've beaten, they've beaten some really good teams. So, you know, it's going to be, it's a tough pill. Uh, it's a tough, uh, uh, pill to swallow 
But they're going to have to find a way to bounce back. And, um, you know, I, I know they didn't have Christian Watson in that game. You look at the receiving core, they don't really have a, a true number one. Like, Christian Watson can be that guy, but he hasn't been able to stay on the field this year. And their defense has been in the middle, I would say, for the most part. So, I mean, look, there, there's an opportunity for, for Green Bay. The, the NFC is really bad. I could tell you this. I think there's probably going to be a team that's going to get the number seven seed with a losing record. And they can probably overleap the Vikings too, the Packers, because the Vikings, I think they just benched Josh Dobbs. Yep. Yeah, they Nick did. Mullins is starting for Minnesota now. Yeah, so, I mean, the, the, there's a there's a good opportunity for Green Bay to to get one of those last couple spots in the NFC and then, you know, see where they do. But I do think in a couple of years they can be scary contenders if they start to build around that roster between um, Jordan Love and some other young guys that they have on the team. They ju- they're only going to get better. Yeah, the Packers, they, they're definitely, um, as you mentioned, they're a young team. And, of course, like Jordan Love has been – he played great football these last few, few weeks before the Giants came. I mean – of course, he didn't play like the wor- the worst game last night. Of course, he, but he had 218 yards, one touchdown, one interception. But another something I could say, something a player that was good last night for Green Bay, in my opinion. Of course, Jaden Reed was pretty good as well, because like of course, like before, for like the first touchdown, like he had the first touchdown before that. Like AJ AJ Dillon was also like pretty solid. So like mm-hmm. of course, Green Bay like. They um and then of course they scored the touchdown after the Saquon fumble, which had me worried as hell. But of course, the Giants were able to fight back. But again, Green Bay, they, I'm sure they will be fine though, because they got like they don't have that rough like a schedule coming up. Because up next they have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at Lambeau. Then they have the Panthers on the road on Christmas Eve, Sunday Night Football, New Year's Eve against at Minnesota, and then they end with the Chicago Bears. At Lambeau on week eighteen, so I feel like the Packers can definitely can definitely like win like three out of those four games mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, I mean, you know, the Packers with this loss um, at six and seven, I think again we talked about they are a good football team, and you know, I think Chicago has kind of played above expectations recently, so that won't be too easy. But the Packers. You know, Aaron Rodgers or not, have pretty much owned the Bears. They own the Bears. Mm -hmm. Um, But speaking of Mr. Rodgers, Sunday was a special day, guys, because for the first time all season, both the New York Jets and the New York Giants won on the same day. Best city ever. Same week. Same week. First time all year that it's happened, believe it or not. And they won... 30 to 6. They didn't even win on the same day. Same week. Giants didn't even play on Sunday. They both played at MetLife. I'm all over the place. It doesn't matter. They both played at MetLife, though, on this week. New York football, baby. The Jets win it 30 to 6 over the Houston Texans. 30 points in the second half. It was not surprisingly a nothing, nothing game at half. I think Houston definitely underperformed offensively. But for the Jets, zero points at the half. That's on par, man. Um, And I think something definitely was said or done in that locker room for the Jets because they were playing on offense the same way they had been playing for weeks and weeks, and that was scared. Run the ball on first and second down. Here you go, Brees Hall, three yards. Here you go, Dalvin Cook, three yards. Okay, uh, third down, now we have to throw it. Let's uh, 
let's make it as hard as possible by, uh, like, you know, putting Garrett Wilson on a go route. They're obviously going to double him. Uh, and, you know, let's have Dalvin Cook out there for a second consecutive snap who can't pass block. So they were really not putting themselves in a good position, which had been kind of, again, on par for the Jets. But uh, something was done in, in coming into the second half because Zach Wilson went out there and he started playing a lot more free, a lot more composed. Getting the ball out quicker, which I've said a hundred times, has been his biggest issue in the NFL, is holding on to the damn ball and taking these horrible, horrible sacks. He didn't do that yesterday. He was sacked four times, sure. A couple of them right at the end of the day when it was over. Um Again, the Jets' offensive line is a revolving door because of the injuries. But when he did have time, Zach Wilson actually made plays yesterday, or Sunday, I'm sorry. And it was, to me, the best game, if you take that second half, the best game of his career. 27 to 36, 301 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. He doesn't lose one fumble. That's been an issue for him as well, but... You know, you will absolutely take that. He got the ball to Garrett Wilson nine times. He goes over 100 yards um, for uh, the first time since uh, that Giants game um, a couple of months back. And the Jets end up beating the Houston Texans, who had been one of the surprises of the AFC, had been one of the better offenses, passing offenses in the league as well. And the Jets shut them down. The defense again comes to play. But... You know, my thing with the Jets is, even though it looked really good on the field on Sunday, first time in a while, you guys remember how you, you used to do that thing? I, I remember doing this in like elementary school. You would take like a piece of paper, and you would fold it up, right? And you would make it into like a thing where you could open up mm-hmm. different things. Like, ba- like you would yeah. show it to your friends, and you would like say, pick an answer or whatever. Yep. The Jets, and it would just lead to another thing. It would lead to another question. That you would have, to, or another answer that you would have to choose, right? Another set of answers. The Jets to me are like that. Every time you think, or every time you answer one question with them, it just leads to another. Uh, so to me, the win on Sunday is nice. However, now I'm kind of in a spot similar to the Giants, where it's like, you know, um, with the quarterback situation, like I, I want Zach Wilson to go out against Miami on Sunday and have another great game. I do. I really do. Because that means the Jets will actually have a chance to win that game. I can't believe I'm actually going to be rooting for them to win on Sunday. Um, but here we are. They're five and eight. They're not dead yet. Two games out of the playoff spot. Um, but if Zach Wilson does go out and ball out again, Aaron, will, uh, Aaron Rodgers is cleared to return on Christmas Eve. How do you possibly, possibly bed Zach Wilson again? But you have to when Rodgers is bad. And if you're six and eight, you have to take Rodgers. You cannot, like, like that's that. you're in a spot, six and eight, let's say you're a game out. That's in it. And Aaron Rodgers said, if they're in it, he's coming back. So the whole situation with Zach Wilson, and then that parlays into keeping him next year. Do you keep him as a backup? For you know, is he the ultimate Rodgers replacement, or do you let him go be somewhere else? In the grand scheme of things, right now, it's not the biggest issue. You obviously want him to continue to play well, and that's obviously the biggest key for him is doing this consistently because we've seen flashes from him through his career of being good, 
showing that great arm talent. He needs to do it for these last, I, I guess, you know, if this game against Miami is, you know, potentially the last chance for him, um, then he's, he's got to do it twice in a row. Because if, at least then you know that maybe he's starting to really turn a corner. Um, so we'll see. But the Jets do get a nice win over the uh, Houston Texans. 32-6 to get to 5-8. and eight. Uh, CJ Shroud really kind of bothered all game long. 10 of 23 for 91 yards. Texans were not able to do much at all offensively in this game. And... They dropped to seven and six, which is kind of concerning, especially because Indianapolis picked up a game as well. Um, and so the Texans had a chance to get to eight and five and be right there with Jacksonville, who lost this week to Cleveland for that division. Uh, and instead, right now, with the Colts having the tiebreaker over them, they're looking, you know, from the outside, they're on the outside looking in, I should say, Dred, in this AFC playoff picture. Yeah. Um, the Texans, I mean, they've had some really good wins this year. They've beaten the Bengals when the Bengals had Burrow. They've had some other great wins as well, like the Broncos. And they've been the biggest surprise team in the NFL. And if you're talking about coaches that could be head coach candidates of the year, you look at a guy like D'Amico Ryans. He's been great. Look at Dan Campbell in Detroit. You look at Shane Steichen in Indianapolis, Mike McDaniel with Miami. But I want to get back to the Jets real quick. And the first thing I want to talk about is Zach Wilson because the Jets have finally gotten to the point where they have stopped babying Zach Wilson. Yep. They benched him, didn't play for a couple games. Then he came back, and look how good he played. So they finally held him accountable. And throughout his entire career, they've been babying him. It's 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 like I, like you know Zach Wilson has been bad. You just got to come out and admit it. You, like, I understand you want to support him. You want to pet him. It's a new generation where you, you can't really fully criticize these players. But the Jets had to do, and they did what they had to do. They benched him. Then they bought him back because they have no faith in Trevor <coughs> Simeon. And um, the other quarterback that they had, Tim Boyle, uh, Tim Boyle he, oh. was, he was awful. And then the whole thing with Aaron Rodgers. Like, he's in line to come back Christmas Eve. Yep. If the Jets lose to Miami... Why no, should they? Well, he will not be back on Christmas he, Eve. He will not be back. Lose. But I, I, I really hope not. Yeah, they, like it makes no sense for the Jets. <laughs> yeah, it makes no sense for the Jets to bring back Aaron Rodgers this year. It just doesn't because you bring back Aaron Rodgers. What is he even playing for? You're just putting him at risk to get hurt again, especially for a guy that's coming off a torn Achilles, and this has only been three months. A torn Achilles usually takes up to a year. And, and, and this is three months. Like, I understand Aaron Rodgers is doing everything he can with his rehab. And what he's doing is incredible. This is, like, one of the biggest comebacks from an Achilles injury that probably we've ever it, seen. It, it is. the. It would be, I think, easily the quickest recovery back then, back on the field from any major injury, I think, probably ever, right? I mean, three months. I mean, I, and again, you know, what the Jets did with Zad Wilson – is they were saying for weeks, for weeks, because, and again, this is the thing with opening up these doors to other questions, and it's just a never-ending cycle. Um, there's just a lot of issues with the Jets. But Joe Douglas refused week after week after week to sign a competent veteran backup quarterback, right? Because 
oh, Tim Boyle's fine. We're going to get Rodgers back eventually. Don't really need to do it this year. It's kind of a throwaway year because Rodgers got hurt anyway, right? So for weeks, the Jets had to cover that up. By saying, oh, no, Zach gives us the best chance to win. Zach gives us the best chance to win. And when the results weren't there, the fan base could not help but be like, we got to try something different. So then they bench Zach. And from a Zach Wilson perspective, you're getting told every week that you're the guy who gives them the best chance to win. Then they turn on you, right? Go to Tim Boyle, who is just laughable, not a serious quarterback. It's not a serious NFL quarterback. Trevor Simeon is, at this point, not a serious NFL quarterback, right? He had had way more experience than Tim Boyle. Fans were clamoring for him to at least get a shot, which is at least he had proven something um, at some point, right? Uh, And he didn't even really get much of a chance. And so then they go back to Zach Wilson. And so it's like, oh, no. We actually do need you. We You actually are our best chance to win. Sorry we went away from you, right? So in that regard, Zach Wilson probably thinks he got kind of slighted by this coaching staff, right? Although the results weren't there, you looked at this quarterback room, and now it's so much clearer to see that, oh, man, we actually thought Tim Boyle was going to be, like, a spark. Like, are you kidding me? And so I think the defense is rallying around him. I think the organization now is starting to rally around him. Aaron Rodgers has been a supporter of Zach Wilson. It was great to see him on the sideline trying to congratulate him. Because Zach Wilson really did go out and play the best game of his career on Sunday. And I hope that that continues um, this Sunday in Miami. Jets and Dolphins, 1 o'clock. The Jets lose. I think Rodgers, I mean, there's just no chance. If they win, though, again, I, what do you, I, I, I don't see any other way that they could go besides starting Rodgers against Washington. Christmas Eve. I don't see any other way around it. There's different minds that people have. And I think what Zach Wilson got through is what he needed to get through is finally he got held accountable. And when he got held accountable, he came back and he performed now small sample size. It's only one game, but you look back at Trey Turner in Philadelphia. Remember when he got cheered because he was having a bad season with the Phillies. And then what did he do the last two months when he got cheered backed up by the fans and he went out there and performed because the jets tried to do that. With Zach Wilson early on in the year when he had that awful game against the Cowboys, then in the New England game, they they try to support him. The media was trying to do everything to support him, and it just never worked out. And they kept on supporting him week in and week out. It's like, when are you finally going to change? Like, no, he doesn't give you the best opportunity to win. You got to change something, and they finally did. It, I mean, we see it with different players. I mean, players get booed all the time in the big markets. New York, Philadelphia, and... There are some players that can play in big seasons in big cities, and there's some players that just can't, and yep. it's just not for you. And you got to go to small market teams. I mean, we see this in baseball all the time, though. I agree as well because New York, like, of course, we're we 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 really are like aggressive with like our teams, and of course, like Zach Wilson, of course, as you like just mentioned, like showing like support. But of course, like there's been some games I played well. Like, of course, you played well against the Chiefs that they lost to. Um, the Broncos that they won that game, but then of course yesterday against the Texans, where he was pr- he proved the coaching staff and all that wrong, showing that like he he was able to like compete after halftime. But yep. speaking about New York, like yeah, literally you'll you'll hear a lot of like booing in like New York and Philly. Like the Northeast is like a area where you'll feel like so much pressure compared to like a small market. Like for example, like in the Midwest, you won't like hear 
much of that, like compared to like the Northeast, where like we we're little we ride and we die with our teams. Over we, we just and we just want to see like championships, like New York. That's and that's an example of New York. We expect our most of our teams to like win like championships. Like, I mean, if like I mean, I'm specifically talking about the Yankees, of course, but of course talking about football. <clears throat> Of course, we were able to see like the Giants do it in our lifetimes as well. But and, like, and the fans are, are they're smart. Like they realize what is going on in the organization with Zach Wilson, and so he was cheered when he came out on, onto the field on yeah, Sunday. Yeah, because because they realize that this coaching staff, and I've said it on this show before, they love to backtrack, man. They love to cover their, or at least try to hide their footsteps. Robert Sala. His favorite thing to do is is try and manipulate the media. Um, and you know, I'm not saying that from a place of like hatred of Robert Sala or anything. I think the defense is pretty. I mean, it's pretty damn good. Everyone can see that. Mm-hmm. I think they it's pretty well coached. But at the same time, offensively, I don't think they're well coached. There's a lot of other issues with the Jets. Um, I think again, we'll see how they look on Sunday, though. So, all right. Um, few minutes left here. Let's talk about some of the games from around the league. Um, I think we have to start with Buffalo and Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Um, because, <laughs> I mean, you know, these two teams the last few years, have ju- every game has just been insane. Like, like it is. They cannot just play a regular old, uh, you know, just like twenty-one seventeen, or not even that, because that's a close finish. Yeah, it was twenty to seventeen. It was. Just, it's not like your average NFL game. It's just. It's always an exciting game uh, when these two teams. There's play each always other. some crazy. You know what that happens at the end of the game. So, second and ten, Chiefs have the ball, down three. They're driving, right? Mahomes finds Kelsey. Kelsey makes his way up the field, sees a couple of uh, the safeties. Lurked towards him, and he did play quarterback in high school, by the way. And so he's like, turns to his left, and he sees good old Tadarius Tony standing there, and he's like, dude, I'll just throw it to him. And he does. And then Tony takes it for a touchdown, and you're like, wow. That is like probably one of the best plays that Travis Kelsey has ever made. It was just such an improvisational spot to do it in with the dam on the line. And then you have... The play called back for offensive offsides um, onto Darius Tony, line up in the neutral zone to the point where the referee said they couldn't even see the ball. And uh, Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, they all reacted in, in a way that made it seem like, you know, they did, you know, it wasn't their fault. That the referees either tried to. You know, manipulate them into into thinking that Tony was onside and that they blew the 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 whistle late or threw the flag late, or that they didn't you know they didn't tell Tony that he was offside, which they're supposed to do. Uh, I just think they reacted completely immaturely because Andy Reid even admitted the day after that Cardarius Tony did not check with the official to see if he was offside, um, and it was such a clear penalty that. I understand being frustrated. You lose the game in that fashion. That incredible play gets wiped off the board. But, like, they were just acting like sore losers to me. I agree. And, of course, like, yes, I understand how much frustration you can feel after, like, a play like that gets taken away. But, of course, Patrick Mahomes saying that to Josh, like, of course, going up to Josh Allen, and then he just mentions, like, the refs, like, like screwing them over. Like, come on, man. You got to, like, you got to give him – 
his respect, even though, yes, you may have, like, of course, like, had a play just, like, get taken away like that. But, of course, if he's offside, offside, he's clearly offside. So, of course, Josh Allen was not, didn't, like, say anything to him at all because, like, you know, like, I don't like wouldn't like see anything from him like that. But Mahomes, you've we've never seen him act like this. We've never sure. seen him as heated. I, we have never seen him just throw his helmet like that. Like that is not that he needs. That's not good leadership by him at all. Like and of course being like one of the most talented QBs that we'll probably ever see play the f- game of football. Um, <laughs> I, I just don't just understand still. what like what he thought was gonna happen when. <laughs> He's walking up to Josh Allen like they they like embrace for a second, and then he's just like, like he's just like he whispers in his ear. He's like, yo, he's like, I, I can't do the Mahomes voice. He's, like, he's, like, he's like, we just call I ever seen Kermit the Frog. Yeah, he's like, he's like, we just call I ever seen man. I'm like, bro, like, and Josh Allen's just like, all right, bro, <laughs> like, like I. It just seemed to me like such a, and I understand in the heat of the moment, it's really hard to keep your cool sometimes. I agree, but. Who else is there to play but yourselves, dude? Exactly. I mean, Tony was so far offside. It's not even funny. It's like, come on, man. Like, And usually up? the Chiefs are the team that's getting bailed out by the refs. Yeah. But but now <laughs> it's the other side, and they're all mad. Like, right. Look, Mahomes could be mad at the refs all he wants. Kadarius Tony was completely offside on that play. If Mahomes is going to get mad at someone, he should be ma- getting mad at Kadarius Tony exactly. and all his receivers for Kansas City. <laughs> yes, I know Rishi Rice is a nice receiver, but the receiving core for the Chiefs is probably the worst in the NFL, and that's yeah. even with having Travis Kelsey as well. Uh, the Jets what, are there too, but yes, well they got it's, gar- it's bad, but yeah, but it's bad. But what the what these teams are doing every single week with Travis Kelsey, is they're doubling and tripling him, knowing that Mahomes doesn't have anybody else to really throw the ball to. Like, Rasheed Rice, yes, he's a nice receiver, but he's not a number one. If he was a number one, then that would be more of a reliable target for Patrick Mahomes. On a on a real good receiving core, he's probably like a number two or a number three. He's not a number one. And we talked about this before we came on the air. This is the worst Chiefs team in the Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid era. And I don't even think it's close. Like, yes, they went to the Super Bowl last year. They take away Tyreek Hill uh, from Patrick Mahomes. They get to the Super Bowl against the Eagles. They come back. Patrick Mahomes is playing on one leg the entire playoffs last year in the Super Bowl. And he finds a way to win. And at the end of the day, the Chiefs are the third best team in the AFC. And I am never going to bet against Patrick Mahomes, believe it or not. As bad as this receiving core is, as long as number 15 is playing quarterback, I am not betting against the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, yeah, that is true. Because, like, of course, Mahomes will still, like, find a way, of course. But then, Yeah, but they, have, they haven't. I mean, in a few of these games, I mean, again, they've the not, Eagle, the, they've not played to good. the Eagles in that game. But you lose by one store there. You lose it to the Packers. Packers. You lose it to the Bills. Broncos. The Jets should have beaten them. But that's another that's another they, story. They should have beaten them. I'm not uh, I'm not gonna disagree. I mean, this is going back a long time already, and I know Kelsey didn't, you know, particularly play well in this game, but opening night against Detroit, you know, you lose a one point game as well. I it's just I, I think you made a good point, right? Like the receiver core around him. I think just doesn't give him enough to be able to make these these 
come back to these plays, improv you know these improvisions that he does, and just these Mahomes type plays that we've now toyed that only like he can make. I think when guys aren't dead in separation, it's just hard to make those plays, right? I mean, it's yeah. so you say the worst team around Mahomes offensively, just the defense is good. Yeah, but offensively, I, I you know you wor- you worry that in the playoffs, especially if someone goes down, right? I mean, if Rasheed Rice and Travis Kelsey are getting twenty targets to mine a game, uh, you're gonna need someone else to step up at some point. Yeah, and if you look back at the other games that the Chiefs have lost, the Eagles game, they had about six or seven drops in that game. Marcus Valdez-Scanling is an example. Yeah, and even Travis Kelsey in that game didn't play well as well. Yes, in that game, they were doubling and tripling him, but if you go back, the, the drive where the Chiefs had the ball was like their last drive. Kelsey drops that third down pass. Obviously, he does make it up with the fourth down conversion. You go back in that game. And then the Marquez Valdez-Scantling, he drops that ball. He, he he makes the catch. They they win the game right there. They're set up to score. And then the other play, I know this was a tough catch to make, but the fourth down, it was like a fourth and, I think it was like a fourth and 21. Mahomes throws the ball up. The ball goes in the hands of uh, the other tight end, Watson, and he drops it. I mean, it was so bad in that game, and I know it was raining, but it was so bad in that game that after the game, Mahomes, I think, threw up a towel to one of the fans, and they even dropped it. Like, that's how bad it got. And then you go back to the Detroit game week one. Kadarius Tony was dropping all those passes. He dropped the one ball where the ball went through his hands and into the the into Brian Branch's hands for a pick six. There was so There's so many games this year that the Chiefs have lost because of the receivers not playing well like they have hurt they have hurt this team like i i i i could choose 3 games right now the 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 bills game the eagles game and the lions game that's 3 games right right there that i just named you about the chiefs receivers being a problem and i'm going to tell you this right now if they continue to do this in the playoffs it will be a problem that because is, I think that's the only thing that can really stop Patrick Mahomes. Because you look at the AFC, I feel like it's been full of inconsistent teams. Like, we saw Miami lost last night, and yep. I still think they're the best team in the AFC <laughs> because of the dominance that we've seen from them. Baltimore, I, I know they're good, complete-wise, offense and defense, but they've shown their inconsistencies as well. They'll have a game where they win by 30, and then next week they'll, they'll win a nail-biter or... They'll lose a game that they shouldn't have lost, like the Browns game, for example. So the AFC is so inconsistent. And Jacksonville, even with Trevor Lawrence, if he's healthy or not, I, I don't think they're a Super Bowl contender yet. No. Yeah, honestly, the same thing. With, like, yeah, I agree with the Chiefs, but also, like, like their next, like, four games, they got the Patriots, the Raiders, Bengals, and the Chargers. But also, like, of course, the Chiefs, like, they, their receivers is just not, like, been, like, perform, like, been able to perform. Like, of course... Travis, of course, they have one of the best tight ends, in the, tight ends in the league, and of course, one of the best tight ends of all time, Travis Kelsey, of course, and Mahomes and Kelsey, they pair very well together. But of course, without him, like it's just, I don't even know what is up with this Chiefs team this year, like because they're they literally just went off a Super Bowl win in February against the Eagles, of yep. course, and they did a nice. Helping from uh, the referees, maybe to do it. Someone uh, argue that James Bradbury, the, call, go- right? the golden, sh- the golden childs of the NFL nowadays. Yeah, but, now, now they want to complain. But right? then, but then, like I, 
with your take with like the of course I do like agree with your take with like the Ravens and like Dolphins of course but like uh, of course like the inconsistencies but like right now in my eyes I still think like me I think like the Ravens are better than the Dolphins but I do get like the Dolphins did beat them the last time they played last year but that's last year this year of course like the Ravens they've been able to dominate in their games and of course that they had a great game against the Rams this Sunday of course. Like Lamar has been playing well, say Flowers, and but of course, and yes, I agree with you. Like those three, like the losses that they like shouldn't have had. Like the Browns came of a loss that I think they should have not. But the real loss they should have not had was the Pittsburgh game because like Pittsburgh has had their number the whole for like the last like four years. Because but the Ravens, I still, but me, I think the Ravens are the best team in the AFC. But the Chiefs, I feel, but the Chiefs. They might have to play a road a road playoff game for the first time. Patrick Mahomes might have to play a road playoff game for the first time in his career this year. Yeah, well, if so, let's see. So, Ravens are the one seed and Dolphins are the two seed right now. Yeah, because the Dolphins lost to the Titans I, last night. I think it's really going to come down to whoever gets the number one seed in the AFC is so probably so going to get to the Super Bowl. You're saying they're going to have to play on the road because Denver's going to win the division. They're only one game out. No, I, was, I don't even. They are. Like, they are only one. They're one game out. I mean, it could happen. I and keyword 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 is potentially. I'm. I'm. I know they're not gonna. I'm not gonna be like. Oh, they're gonna play a road game right away. No. Broncos have the Lions, Patriots, Chargers, and Raiders. But yeah, the Broncos are. It's three out of four right there. Maybe. The Broncos are like a little behind them, and then there was like, of course, just like I mentioned with the Giants, there was a couple games that they they should have won as well, like in the beginning of the season, but. Of course, they are seven and six right now. So, one game behind the Chiefs, and then yeah, it's like it's very t- it's pretty tight in the AFC West. And basically, what you're saying is, if Mahomes wins in the first round as a number three seed, yeah. then he's going to have to go on the road, okay. most yeah. likely in the second round. Yeah, that's what that's yeah. that's what I'm saying. He's, he's not because he, he's not going to. Oh go yeah, on the, no, they're not getting the one. He's seed. not going on the road no. right away. No. He is not. I mean, they have New England next week. They'll win. They yeah, have the Raiders after that. They'll win. Cupcake. The Bengals. Yeah, Bengals is a Jade Browning. Bengals yeah. have played good football. The Bengals showed a team, then they wrap up with uh, the Chargers. So we'll see. But all right, again, a few minutes left. Let's talk about the other Monday night game from last night. Titans Dolphins. Uh, what happened Will in Levis. the final in the final three minutes of that game? I don't even How know. How did the Titans win this game? That is some insane stuff. He has Will Levis, dude. Oh my, Aiden. I know Aiden Doc was um talking about Will Levis and the um Will Levis legacy drive. Then. The legacy drive. <laughs> no, nah, but oh my god! But it was twenty seven thirteen after the Giants game ends. Like I'm watching the end of that on like the Manning cast. How like that is some amazing stuff we saw from Levis. Three hundred twenty seven yards, one touchdown. Derrick Henry also had two touchdowns. In that game. And then DeAndre Hopkins showing some of his, like, vintage stuff from, like, earlier in his career. 124 yards on seven receptions and a touchdown. He played great last night. Also, Ty J. Spears, 89 receiving yards and also 29 rushing yards. But the Titans were able to come into Miami, give them their first loss at home this season. And, of course, that was they were able to... and. In that case, the Ravens were able to have the one seed themselves. Yep. So, but again, that was a bad, but yeah, bad <laughs> loss by the Dolphins. I know Tyreek also got, had, got yes. injured. Tyreek Hill. But came back in. Mm-hmm. But, 
And then Mostert had two touchdowns, 96 yards. There was a pick six in the beginning of this game um, by Zach Sealer. So, but yeah, that was that's a bad loss for the Dolphins. Bad loss. Uh, it was like teams trailing by 14. 14 or more with less than three minutes left had lost like 767 straight. There you go. 767 straight times, down 14, less than three minutes to go. They had lost, and the Titans snapped that streak last night. Um, crazy comeback win. I mean, they the two drives at the end, Will Levis, you got to give him credit. I mean, they moved the ball so efficiently, um, and, um, you know, they got the two-point conversion as well. Um Execution down the stretch, Dolphin. I mean, for the Dolphins, it was nowhere to be found defensively. They uh, were not aggressive at the end of the game, and the Titans took advantage. This is a really bad loss for for the Dolphins. It's a huge loss, especially when we're talking about, especially when we're talking about the number one seed in the AFC. Like, it's most likely going to be in the hands of probably the Baltimore Ravens, right? Because. Yeah. I mean, that's a game you can't lose if you're Miami. You're at home. You have a lead, two scores with less than three minutes to go. You find a way to lose that game. That's a game you can't lose. And next week, you got the Jets. That's a game you got to win. But after that, you got a tough schedule. You got three games. You got Dallas coming up. You got Buffalo. Baltimore, Baltimore and then Buffalo. Buffalo, yep. Baltimore, yep. Yeah, and then That's why it was a huge loss. It, and... and uh, I'm not concerned about Miami in terms of like the way that they play because they're still going to win the division, I think, over Buffalo. And I, I, I just still think they're a top-two team in the AFC just because of the roster that they have. I think their defense is, has, gone health, has gotten healthy as the season has progressed with getting Ramsey back. I know Howard was hurt. They have a couple other guys that are banged up right now, but they're going to get them back. So I still think in the end, the Dolphins are the best team in the AFC just because of what we have seen from these other teams. Like we talked about the inconsistencies with Baltimore. We talked about the Chiefs, the Chiefs with their receiving core and Jacksonville. Really, we don't know what their potential is, but we know they're not a Super Bowl contender, especially if Trevor Lawrence is healthy or not. Yeah, like and like what I was trying to like say, there's no one that's like straight up like elite in that like terms in the AFC or even in the NFC. Like, there's no one that's, like, straight up, like, elite or, like, league-changing in the NFL. Like, there's obviously great teams, but there's... But so we no think the like, best team in the league is San Francisco? San Francisco. Yes. I, would, I would agree. Yes. I think they're the closest to being, like, elite. Because, I mean, dude, when healthy, it's like, what, like, what, are, you, they what are, are you even They doing? are very what, good Like, team. what do you do against that offense? Like, you don't really do much. What they're going to do, what they're going to do is they're going to run the ball with McCaffrey to the left side every time behind Trent Williams. And then they're going to get the screen pass game going. You put try to get Debo out in open space. They got some great they got great receivers. Brandon yeah. Ayuk, George Kittle, and uh Kyle Shanahan is the the best play caller in the NFL and they have the best defense in the NFL. They did great at the trade deadline trading for Chase Young. Look at that defensive line. Nick Bosa, Chase Young, uh uh, Armstead, Hargrave, it, it's its the best defensive line, I think, in the NFL. Uh, their linebacking core, I think, is the best in the NFL with Drake Greenlaw and uh, Fred Warner. Their secondary is great. The 49ers, from 1 through 53 on the roster, is the best. And it, I don't even think it's close. And, I, and right now, I would say Dallas is the second best team, not only in the NFC, 
but in the NFL. Honestly, um, that is that is not bold at all because the 49ers, of course, I could say best team in the NFL right now because they dominated the Eagles. They beat the Seahawks 28-16 to on Sunday. And, of course, Brock Purdy played another great game, 368 yards and two touchdowns. Christian McCaffrey also showing, like, obviously being one of the best running backs in the NFL, and he's been playing great football for the 49ers this year. Christian McCaffrey, um... 100 1177 rushing yards this year and 12 touchdowns for the Niners. So, of course, being one of the best running backs in the league for this Niners team. And of course, you have Brandon Ayuk, you have Debo Samuel, you have George Kittle, you have you have a very the Niners are are just complete. They are a very complete team all around. And then also the same thing with the Cowboys. Like they are like they're also, and also, I could agree with that between the Cowboys and Ravens as like the second best team in the NFL as well. Because Dallas, as we've mentioned, they've been playing Dak Prescott, CeeDee Lamb, Tony Pollard, Deron Bland. Like they've been playing, and Brandon Aubrey, like, and way more pieces. Like they, they have a bit, they are, they have a lot of talent on that team as well. And so it's not bold at all. Like I, I do like the take with the um, Cowboys being the second best team in the league. Yeah, I think they're the second best team in the NFL as of right now. Obviously, we've seen crazy injuries happen before. Not saying that's going to happen, but you never know in the NFL. It's such a week-to-week basis. I want to make one more point about Brock Purdy real quick. Um, I think he's more valuable than what people think about him. Because if you go back to the NFC Championship game last year when they played the Eagles, and Brock Purdy got hurt early on in that game, yep. and they had Josh Johnson in as quarterback, how did he do? How did the 49ers flow around him? They well, didn't they, do well. They got they blown out. Much. And I know the Eagles were great. The Eagles were dominant. They were the better team that season. But yep. I do think that game would be a lot closer if Brock Purdy was healthy. They wouldn't have won, but I feel like it would be way closer. Yes, I do. Because, I like, agree. Because again, like the Niners, like they they're just they just have that complete team, and just like I know the Eagles, same thing last year, but like of course they lost pieces from last year's team going into this year, just weren't able to like get stuff done these past couple of weeks. Brock Purdy is the best quarterback that the 49ers have had in the last five years. Yes, he's better than Jimmy Garoppolo. He's better than Nick Mullins. He's better than any quarterback that they've had in the last five years. He plays with composure. He plays with swagger. And this year, he's an MVP candidate. You could talk about all the yards after catches that Debo has and Ayuk and Kittle. And, oh, that's the only way that that Brock Purdy is getting his numbers. But at the end of the day... The numbers don't lie. I just wish this wasn't like a like a full on like QB award because like of course Christian McCaffrey and Tyreek Hill, I would love to put them in the category of MVP. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Be- but of course, since this is a QB award, it'll be between like Dak Prescott, Brock Purdy, and Jalen Hurts. It, it's gonna be Dak's award, I think. I think I, I feel I, like I, it I believe will be. at this point Dak is going to win the MVP. I yeah. think you can make an argument for Tyreek Hill though. Just look I, I've at said last, that, yeah. Just look at last night's game, for example. Right, he goes out and Dolphins offensively are trying to stop. Yeah, yeah. Um, most valuable. Not that, That's right. losing a meaning. Most I, valuable. I think you just associate most valuable with quarterback right away so it becomes a yeah, quarterback of, award. But it's, position. but it's not the – I don't think that's the right way to do it, obviously. Yeah, it's by, because, of course, like, like that course, would, that's a position that's valuable. Of Christian course. McCaffrey is more valuable to – the Niners. San Francisco. Then Brock Purdy is. I mean, it's nothing yeah. against Purdy, but yes. Yeah. Um, all right. Any other 
Any other games? Any other thoughts? I just mentioned about like the Niners and Seahawks game, but then like there's. Hold on, I gotta. I just gotta um, see other games that there were. There was definitely some exciting matches. You had uh, yeah. Cleveland beat Cleveland, Jacksonville. Ja- yeah, Jacksonville and Cleveland. Um, Buccaneers I mean, Falcons as well. Is Joe Flacco? Is he an elite quarterback? Hey, I will say this. Flacco played great. Dude. In two games, he has five touchdowns, and Kenny Pickett has, like, six touchdowns. This is what I mean. Why did the Jets not keep him, dude? Like, he was fine last year. Like, <laughs> Joe Flacco is actually... When you give Joe Flacco time, and God bless him at 38 years old, like, he can do some good stuff. He legitimately can be a good, solid quarterback, and that's what the... Uh, Browns have done. I mean, he threw for 300 yards, 311, three touchdowns, and the Browns win the game. So Yeah, the, and of course the Browns, they've been Ugh. playing solid um, this year so far. Joe Flacco, 311 yards, three touchdowns. David Njoku, 91 receiving yards and two touchdowns. So David Njoku did his job as well. And then, so yeah, the Cleveland Browns, they, I like what I'm seeing from them. And then, of course, their next four games, they got the Bears, they got the Texans, the Jets, and the Bengals. So, the, again, winnable games for Cleveland going forward, and they can definitely be like a playoff team again, just like 2020 where they were going to the playoffs, um, and then they beat the Steelers at that point. They lost to the Chiefs in that. But, like, I'm hoping Cleveland Browns can, like, I would, like, love to see the Browns in the playoffs again because Browns fans, like, all, like around our age, they've only seen them in the playoffs, like, once, which was 2020. Trevor Lawrence, three pits in this game. How do we? I mean, I Jaguars are the Jags. I'm not sold on. Nah, and Trevor Lawrence even. I I did. He was hurt last week, and you know maybe he's still dealing with that. To me, I, I don't know. I I'm still I I still think the book is a little out on him. As I mean, he 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 is a good quarterback. He, he is, is, but. Can he can he get out of that like Kurt Cousins realm where every once in a while he will make kind of like a boneheaded like can he become the elite guy that he was uh, you know touted up to be you know basically and you know all the way up until he got drafted and hey, even I, beyond. I mean, look, Jacksonville has done a really good job putting a great team around him. Like, yeah. look at the players that they have. Etn was a guy that they drafted, and he is a great running back. They trade or they signed Christian Kirk, and they paid him all this money at the time when they signed him. People are like, "What are they doing?" He's never had a thousand receiving yard season uh, at the time, and he's been great. They went out and got Calvin Ridley, and they got Evan Ingram a couple years ago. So they got a good receiving core, and the defense I think is about average. They didn't play well against Cincinnati when they were going up against Jake Browning. And, like, I was kind of like, I wanted to watch them for a few weeks to kind of have, like, an identity of what the Jacksonville Jaguars really were because they weren't really showing too much. Like, they were winning games, but they weren't showing much. And I think we kind of now have an idea of what they are. This is a team that's good enough to get to the playoffs, similar to last year, good enough to get to the playoffs, Maybe won a playoff game, but that's it. This is not a Super Bowl team yet. I think if they want to get to that range of being a Super Bowl contender, is Trevor Lawrence has to take the next step. They got their coach in Doug Peterson, who's a Super Bowl winning head coach back in Philadelphia. Trevor Lawrence has to take that elite step 
I, and if he doesn't within the next couple of years, then Jacksonville is going to be the same old team that they have been the last couple of years, including this year. I agree. And of course, like they have the pieces. They have Doug Peterson who won the Super Bowl with the Eagles in 2017. So Trevor Lawrence cannot be throwing three interceptions in like a game like this, of course, because there's definitely like there's been mistakes. There was mistakes that were made in both this game against the Browns and of course the Cincinnati Bengals game. I mean the Bengals game, Trevor Lawrence um got injured, which um of course you hate to see this because something I gotta say, wor- this is like the worst year of like QB injuries that we've ever seen. Yeah. Or well. even just injuries, but QB injuries because so many QBs have been getting injured. You can't catch a break. But yeah, this is just this was just a little rough situation, a little rough for the Jaguars, but they were able to score 27, um, 13 in the fourth quarter after only scoring 14 in the first three quarters of the game. Just, just wasn't their, it just wasn't their day, and they just have not been able to um, win, win in December so far. And they got the Ravens on Sunday Night Football next week, so another rough AFC North matchup for them. It's a game Baltimore should win. I agree. AFC and uh, NFC rounding out here as we progress to Week 15, moving fast, guys. We're uh, into the last four weeks of the NFL season here. want to thank Aiden Ray and Dred Mazzo for stepping in today. Coming on with me, your host, Aaron Hook. Uh, here for Third and Lawn, thank you all for tuning in. And, um, yeah. <laughs>